Well, hey, it is so good to see you. Welcome here. Are you glad to be here? Yeah, that's good. A few of you are. That's awesome. I've been actually looking forward to this weekend all summer long uh, because in so many ways it feels like the last two and a half years with everything that we've gone through of just uh, navigating the unknown and the uncertain times and so much change that has gone on. And then, of course, this summer was the first opportunity that many of us had to travel at all. And most of you got uh, out of town at least for a couple days here or there. And I know some people that actually went overseas and so taking advantage of the freedom to travel. And so in so many ways, it really does feel like we are starting uh, a new chapter. We're starting to move forward. And so as we step into a new ministry season, what I simply want to do tonight is to talk about the call that God has put in front of us, the call that God has put in front of us, the why. Why do we do what we do? And so if you're visiting uh, at any of our campuses, and welcome to all of you at all of our other campuses, you need to know that this is not a typical Northview weekend. Typically, around Northview, we study through books of the Bible, literally verse by verse and chapter by chapter through books of the Scripture, and that is our normal fare. So we've just finished out in the summer, 17 weeks through 1 Peter. Next weekend, we're starting into the Gospel of John. Uh, and as you know, if 1 Peter took us 17 weeks and the Gospel of John is 21 chapters, we're going to be in it for five years. Uh, not really, but it will spread out over about 18 months and then interspersed with various special events. We've always got things like Christmas and Easter and Global Focus and immerse weekends like last weekend, hearing all of our students preach. And then once in a while, we take a time for what we call family talk. Uh, you might call it a little bit of a vision talk. And this is one of those weekends. So if you happen to be visiting here, just understand this is not a normal fair for us. And really, it is a very basic and simple reminder of what we are called to do and be as a church. Why do we do what we do? And, and the question that I want to leave you with today is this question, will we dream again? Will we dream again? And that we would apply that in our lives, both as a corporate church family and you individually in your own life. Will I begin to dream again? Will we dare to ask God for a renewed sense of vision and purpose for the coming years? And, and if we had the time, it would be a really interesting conversation to break into huddles and to talk about what is it that we, corporately, Northview, are known for? What is it that we want to be the key focus of our ministry together? What impact do we believe that God has for us to have in the time and the place that he has given us to call home? What kind of people do we want to become? What kind of lives do we want to live? And so in the next 40 minutes or so, I want to just talk to you about those topics. What has God called us to unto his glory? Now, just a really quick disclaimer, because some of you may already be ahead of me that we are not talking about the big picture of the capital C church because that actually is not changing. It has not changed for 2,000 years because it's not our mission, it's actually Jesus' mission, right? And that hasn't changed. He is the Lord of the church, and he has given us our marching orders. He's told us, go and make disciples, and that has stayed consistent for 2,000 years. And so every evangelical church on the planet has the same mission that we have, and it is to go into the world and make disciples. It's not surprising. It is the Great Commission. And the Great Commission was given in all four Gospels in various forms. The most famous is at the end of Matthew, but all four speak to it, and even the opening verses of the book of Acts 
giving us this call that we have been sent out into the world. And as you read through the New Testament and you see what those early disciples did, they went out preaching the gospel. And as soon as people came to faith in Christ, they baptized them and then they organized them into local congregations. The mission has not changed. Make disciples. And notice clearly that Jesus didn't say make converts, but he said make disciples. And there's a big difference. Over the years, Northview has had several mission statements, vision statements, purpose statements. If you'd pull up the archives, if you had any of these at home, maybe you save old stuff. You might find that in the early 90s, a threefold purpose statement around here was upward, inward, and outward. And we said we want to be a God-centered, a people-friendly, and a world-focused church. That was the early 90s. Then later, this tagline, this sort of one-liner, was an overarching mission statement, leading people to passionately follow Jesus. How many of you remember that statement? Leading people to passionately follow Jesus. It's really about making disciples. In the, in the early 2000s, those uh, upward, inward, outward got updated to loving God, loving one another, and loving the world. But basically, it's the same three triad. And then recently, in this last year, you've heard us talk a lot about gather, grow, and go. And actually, they're just different words for the same three triad. That we need time together to grow, we need to gather together upward to, to worship with the Lord, and then we need to go out on ministry. So this spring, a senior leadership team took a week to visit our mission and to ask the question, what is it that we believe God has uniquely called us to in this time and this season of our ministry? After 42 years of ministry, how has God shaped Northview Church? And part of that process was for us to look back and ask the questions, who has God shaped us to be? Not who do we aspire to be, what we would want to be in the ideal, but actually who have we become? Who has God shaped us to be? And as we looked at the history of our church, there was one trait that stood out head and shoulders above the rest. And that is that we have been and we remain a church that is deeply committed to the word of God. That has been our history to faithfully proclaim the gospel of Jesus, that, that this book is our authority in every area of life, that this book is our authority for faith and for practice. And, and I don't need to tell you this, but that has not and it is not changing. Uh, I've reminded you of this before. Do you know the first four words that we have recorded out of Satan's mouth? The very first words of Satan recorded in the scripture back in Genesis 3 were these four words. Did God actually say? That was the challenge that Satan first spoke to Adam and Eve, questioning the word of God, questioning what God had said. And all through human history, this has been his strategy to get us to call into doubt the word of God and what he has said. And so in the history of the church, the drift towards liberalism and ultimately gospel compromise and heresy has always begun, has always begun with this issue, the authority of scripture. Always. I'm reading a very interesting book right now. It's entitled Against Liberal Theology, Putting the Brakes on Progressive Christianity. Uh, the, the author basically says this. He goes, you know what? Some among Orthodox Christians believe in this thing called plenary verbal inspiration. That's actually the school that I was trained in. That was what we were taught back in Bible school. Some believe the Bible is inerrant, while others prefer to say it's infallible. 
But regardless of the specific words they use, across the Christian spectrum, both in Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodox and all the Protestant traditions, they agree on this, that this book is inspired by God like no other book is. It is authoritative for life and practice. And then he goes on to say this. Compared with the Orthodox Christian consensus that the Bible is the supernaturally given revelation of God... Liberal Christianity treats the Bible as a human book of great insight and spiritual wisdom that is not divinely inspired or uniquely authoritative. Now, what's interesting about this book is that the author actually does not identify as a conservative evangelical. Now, I'm just telling you that because some of you right now are Googling this book. I know people do that, and you're ordering it. You're going to get it. You're going to find out who this guy is, and you're going to be sending me an email going, do you know that this guy's not a conservative? Yeah, actually, I do. Don't email me. What's interesting that is even this guy who would not identify as a conservative evangelical clearly understands that one's view of Scripture actually matters. You probably know this, but the two major Protestant denominations here in Canada throughout the history of our nation are both in complete freefall these days. The United Church of Canada and the Anglican Church of Canada. They are closing doors left, right, and center, largely because they've abandoned the scriptures. One United Church pastor that I have bumped into, summarized his view in this way, his view of the scripture. He said, we take the Bible seriously, we just don't take it literally. Interesting. Uh, I'm reading a book, or have read a book in the past, called Suicide, The Decline and Fall of the Anglican Church of Canada. The author writes this, basically. If you had to summarize, it's about 250 pages. If you had to summarize it down to one statement, it would be this idea. Why is our denomination crumbling from within? The reason we're crumbling from within is this, that we knowingly walked away from the word of God. We knowingly walked away. That's why he calls it suicide. It's a choice we made when we intentionally walked away from the word of God. And he writes this book as a warning to other Christians and other denominations. And he basically says, do not follow in our footsteps. Please do not follow us. So Northview has been and remains a people who want to be shaped by scripture. And no matter what other issue comes up against us in our culture, the first question that we always ask, does the Bible have anything to say about this issue? What does the Bible have to say? And if culture and the Bible disagree with one another, guess who wins every time? The Bible wins every time. So we want to be people of the book. We want to get our roots down deep. Interesting that somewhere in our discussions last spring, that little line, deeply rooted, came up, and there was like this collective aha moment in the room. We're like, yes, that captures who we have wanted to be. We have wanted to be deeply rooted followers of Jesus Christ. Deeply rooted followers of Jesus Christ. And so we began discussing and you will know that this theme is woven all throughout the scriptures. Uh, two of the most famous Old Testament texts are actually mirror texts. Uh, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of the sinner or sit in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the water. A tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. 
Its leaf doesn't wither. In all he does, he prospers. And then the mirror text in Jeremiah 17 with a little bit of a different nuance. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water. And then here's the key phrase, that send out its roots by the stream. Doesn't fear when the heat comes. For its leaves remain green. Is not anxious in the year of drought. For it does not cease to bear fruit. And that deeply rooted metaphor is given to us in several different ways. When the heat comes, or when the storms of life blow up against us, no fear. We've got deep roots. Jesus talked about the rocky soil, the thorny soil, the hard path, where roots couldn't get down, that the gospel is preached, it bounces off the heart of some, thorns choke it out, Rocks block the roots getting down, and that little seedling of faith ultimately dies. No roots. And obviously, the picture of abundant fruit is woven throughout the scriptures. You might say, deeply rooted unto what end? Well, obviously, deeply rooted unto fruit. And, and so you go to Jesus' words in John 15. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. By this is my Father glorified. How is the Lord glorified in our lives? That you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So as the New Testament church got started, as those early disciples went out and began to preach and gather people into local congregations, I think there's probably no better summary statement of an early philosophy of ministry. Uh, what was their philosophy of ministry all about? Then Apostle Paul's words, when he wrote to the Colossian church and he said this to the church at Colossae, him, referring to Jesus, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all my energy that he powerfully works within me. I am giving myself entirely to this work, Paul says, proclaiming Jesus, lifting up Jesus, making much of Jesus, getting the name of Jesus out there. And then he goes on a few verses later to say this. And therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, and abounding in thanksgiving. So what Paul is saying, that the very heart of his ministry was to faithfully proclaim the word of Christ, to make much of Jesus with all of his energy and passion and struggle. And when you come to faith, then get your roots down deep. And so if you would roll all of those passages together, Old and New Testament alike, and ask why does the church exist, you might roll it into these concepts that we exist to faithfully proclaim Jesus so that everyone grows to maturity, they get their roots down deep, they bear fruit, and God is glorified. Amen? Now, it's a long statement, of course. But as we look to the New Testament pattern, what we see in the New Testament is that the best means of making disciples is through healthy local churches, doing what they do best. And when the church is at its best, when the church is unified and healthy and biblical and strong, the great work of the Spirit that works through the local church. And there is great work done all around the world through a number of parachurch organizations. Thank God for every single one of them. Thank God for Christian schooling, for, from K 
pay right through PhD, that you can get Christian education in the world we live in. Thank God for great global mission organizations, men and women who are sent around the world to evangelize and to, to do things that the local church in that region is not yet healthy enough to do. Thank God for Bible schools and seminaries. Thank God for every kind of parachurch ministry that you can think of. But there is nothing like a healthy local church. And the challenge with some of our parachurch ministries is that they never get people into local healthy churches. The best means of making disciples, we believe, is through healthy churches. And so we have put all our eggs in that basket. If you're new to Northview, you need to know this. This is where all our eggs go into this one basket. We want to see more and better disciples. And so if we want to see more and better disciples, we know that we need more and better churches all around the world. And if you're going to have more and better churches, then we need more and better leaders. So if you ask the question, what is Northview on about these days? Three statements I'll give to you. Number one, helping people become deeply rooted followers of Jesus Christ. More and better disciples. Secondly, help train the next generation of leaders. More and better leaders. And thirdly, help plant new churches around the world more and better churches. And I wish that we had a couple hours to dive into each one of those. Because God is working in such amazing ways in each one of those areas. And I want to just give you a few brief highlights in the time that we've got. The, the majority of the work that we do beyond our local context... So outside of the Fraser Valley, the majority of what we do beyond us is to help other people plant new churches, healthy local churches on the global, the national, and the regional front. We're going to talk about the global front later in the fall when we have a global focus weekend. But on the Canadian front, as we've been asking God, would we be able to see in our day a gospel preaching church within reach of every Canadian? We've called it our BHAG, our B-H-A-G, our big, hairy, audacious goal. That's a phrase taken from Jim Collins. It's way beyond us. Missiologists tell us that in today's number of 38 million Canadians, to get a healthy church into every neighborhood within reach of every Canadian, we need at least 9,000 new churches in Canada. It is way beyond what one local church can do. But we want to be part of it, seeing perhaps in our generation that little communities, villages, and neighborhoods, and urban centers where there are not evangelical gospel-preaching churches, that there would be new churches. And so close to home, you know this. We've been helping in partnership to plant and to replant several churches. So this weekend, literally September 11th, a new church is opening in Harrison Hot Springs. We told you this story. There was a church there for 80 years that closed its doors three, four years ago. The only evangelical church in that little village. And they're opening September 11th, launching a new service. Pray for them this weekend. In just a couple weeks, up in Dawson Creek, uh, another church called Creekside, which is in partnership with North Peace and Fort John. They wanted to be opening this weekend, but their building's not quite ready. So in a couple weeks' time, they're going to be opening a brand new church up in Dawson Creek, like right next to the Arctic Circle. There's people up there in Parkas. You know, a year ago that we helped plant Praxis Church in Kelowna. They're now a year in, and they're growing like crazy. Two years ago, in the middle of the pandemic, we opened Central Abbey. Welcome to you guys at Central Abbey. If you've not visited down there on a Saturday night, it is a, an amazing place. They have, they have supper every week. They did supper all the way through the summer. We didn't tell you that because we didn't want you going there. 
They have supper every Saturday and then they have church and then they have dessert. Like they're feeding them great. It's a very cool place. Some of you will remember seven or eight years ago, a church called Hyde Creek Church in Port Coquitlam closed their doors. And they came to Northview and said, hey, would you consider in partnership with Westside Church and Crossridge Church replanting this little church? And so that's what's happened. It's called Tri-City Church. And by God's grace, Lord willing, this January, we're going to cut the umbilical cord and they're going to be an independent church. But they're celebrating their fifth anniversary this month. And Pastor Matt sent us a, a little bit of a video. And so I want you to watch this highlight. Hello, Northview Community Church. Uh, remember me? It's Matt. Uh, you planted a church in 2017 in the Tri-Cities. Actually, it was, a, it was a campus, actually a joint campus with two other churches, Westside and Crossridge, and we became Tri-City Church. And this September marks our fifth year of ministry. We couldn't let that milestone go by without taking a moment to praise God for all that he has done and thank you for all that you did to make this possible. You were so generous and kind and supportive from the elder team level all the way down through the staff to the congregation. In fact, some of your people came and planted with us and are with us to this day. It has been such a pleasure to do ministry with you and such a joy to see the fruitfulness over the years. We've had the pleasure of seeing uh, many stories of grace and power since we opened our doors. We've had baptisms for those young and old to the glory of Jesus. We've seen miraculous answers to prayer. We've made deep friendships and seen people reconnect with Jesus. We've also seen people from our community come to saving faith in him for the very first time. There's so much more work to do, but because of the work that God has done, we can move forward with confidence knowing that hearts can be changed and people can be saved. So, if you're thinking of, of maybe planting a church again in the future, we would say, look, you should totally do it. In fact, we would love to partner with you in something like that in the future, so let's keep in touch. For now, let me simply say thank you and thank God for who he is and what he's done. Yeah, awesome. I love, uh, love that little tagline that he threw in there. So if you happen to be thinking of planting another church, like, yeah, we are for sure. And there's so much more that we could talk about on that, uh, on that level. You heard me a few weeks ago report on a visit to four of our pastors who were in Newfoundland on a prayer and awareness trip. And we'll talk more about that in the fall. There's a lot of projects there that we want to bring to you. But it's hard to imagine, and it's actually hard to describe, the spiritual climate and challenges in that province, Newfoundland, Labrador, that was once a hotbed of Christianity. The Christian church has been there for over 400 years. And yet today, on the rock, it is less than 1% evangelical. Stephen Bray, our partner out there at Mile One Mission, is, is asking, he's saying, would Northview consider being part of seeing God transform the spiritual climate of an entire province under the glory of God? So more and better churches. But more and better churches require more and better leaders. And so most of you are aware of the emphasis that we put on training, formally training pastors and ministry leaders through apprenticeships and internships and residencies, and it is such an encouraging part of our ministry. And, and just this week, uh, we had our intake for the new students for this fall who are coming in as uh, sort of the newbies. Seven of them are in our ministry apprentice program, and that's a, a one-year undergrad program where they study 
and they will earn 30 hours of Bible school credit, and then they are immersed in ministry in the other half of their time. And then four of these are new students in our Immerse program, the Masters of Divinity program. Same story, but over four years, they study part-time, and they serve in the church part-time. And we pay them like peanuts. I was going to say we pay them big bucks. We don't. We pay them peanuts. That's what we do. Northview, I need to say it again and again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I honestly don't know of any other church in Canada that is investing as much effort and time and energy into training the next generation of leaders. So thank you. But leadership development is also not just for vocational leaders. We want to see mature leaders raised up for every area of church ministry. And I'll just give you two or three really quick announcements here. If you get to the events page on our website, you will see ongoing leadership training in so many areas. But I want to mention two or three that are coming up. Uh, Women's Theology Conference with, with Nancy Guthrie. If you don't know Nancy, she's from Franklin, Tennessee. She works with a gospel coalition. She is an amazing teacher. She's going to be in town for a one-day event for women only. So sorry, men, you miss out on this one. But it's going to be a great day, ladies. In the spring next year, Andy Steiger and his team from Apologetics Canada are going to be filling this auditorium with an apologetics conference in, I believe, in March of next year. And, and some of you may be saying, you know what, I'm interested in learning how to lead, but I don't even know where to start. I hear you talking about small group leadership, Bible study table leaders, all those kind of things. I wouldn't even know where to begin. There's a new course starting in a couple weeks, Leadership 101, that is going to answer those basic questions. It's a one-year course basic theology, and basic small group leadership skills. And if you've got any interest whatsoever in learning basic leadership skills, that would be a great course for you to sign up to. So all of that being said, we are committed to pouring a ton of energy into leaders and into churches. But you all know this instinctively. That unless we're doing a rock-solid job of disciple-making right here at the local level, then all of that outside focus is for no cause, right? Our primary focus on making more and better disciples has to be right here at home. And years ago, uh, I heard a statement at a missions conference that stuck in my brain, and it's rattled around in there for years. And it was this idea that the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest close to home. The light that shines the farthest, speaking of global missions, shines the brightest close to home. And it's amazing to talk about all the God, the God things that are happening around the country and around the globe. But we've got to ask the question, what about our own backyard? What about Abbotsford and Mission and Fleetwood and all of the Fraser Valley? You know, right now when we gather on a weekend... You know where the majority of people in Abbotsford Mission and North Surrey are? They're not in church. Uh, some people still call the Fraser Valley the Bible Belt. I don't think it's a Bible Belt. When we do the studies, when we do the numbers on the number of churches, if every single church in the valley were full to overflowing on a weekend, it would be less than 10% of our population. Meaning over 90% of the Fraser Valley has no regular connection to a life-giving gospel church. The need is so great right here in our backyard. And so what Paul wrote to the Colossians is still ringing true to us. That our call has to be to faithfully proclaim Jesus Christ. To call men and women 
through the gospel to faith in Christ and to see those who respond grow to maturity and then that we do all that we can one for another to help each other become deeply rooted followers of Jesus. And the primary way that this happens, you wonder how does that happen in our lives? The primary way is through immersion in the word of God. This is just meat and potatoes, friends. There is no rocket science here. How does the Spirit of God transform you? It is primarily through immersion in the Word of God. I am so grateful that back as a 15-year-old, that was like 20 years ago, was on an eight-week summer mission trip. And in that eight weeks, we were required to have a 30-minute quiet time. So in the morning, every morning, we were told, go away, be quiet. Read your Bibles and spend some time in prayer. Now, our leaders were smart enough to know they couldn't force anybody to do anything. They couldn't force you to open your Bible and read it. They couldn't force you to pray. They couldn't force you to do your daily memory verse, but they could force you to be quiet. Leave each other alone, respect one another. And so as a 15-year-old, I thought, you know what? I might as well take advantage of it. I might as well do what they've asked us. I might as well start this thing called devotions. And I will tell you, I am so grateful that they forced us for eight weeks to take 30 minutes a day because after eight weeks it had become a habit. And I'm so grateful that for the last 20 years of my life, (laughs) since I was 15, (laughs) that most mornings my favorite way to start is to grab a cup of coffee and my Bible and a journal and to say, Lord, what do you got to say to me through your word? But beyond your personal devotional life, The personal time in the word, I can't emphasize enough how powerful it is to gather with other believers and to dig into a book of the Bible together. And the best place is at a men's or a women's Bible study. And rather than me try to convince you, I want you to hear one brother in our church's story of how Bible study has changed his life. My name is Red Jewett. Me and my wife, Jen, have been at Northview for... 12 years. Uh, My wife started going to the Wednesday morning women's Bible study, and we'd start having these discussions about the Bible. And it began this kind of back and forth of why aren't you studying your Bible? There wasn't the option to go to a men's Bible study at the time, and I don't have the discipline (laughs) to study my Bible on my own. I've heard from other guys that the same thing was happening in their household. I want, we want to be the type of parents that our kids see us reading our Bible, that that's a priority in our life and that our kids see that and grow up in a house where Bible's open, mom or dad is studying. When it started, all of a sudden, a couple nights a week, dad's sitting on the couch with his Bible open, not just mom. That was, I think, in the home, the biggest change I saw was that our kids now saw dad participating in what mom had already been doing. I wouldn't say that I'm a super disciplined person by nature. So the idea of getting up every morning and reading my Bible and doing that is, it's a struggle. So being a part of the Bible study is accountability for me to open my Bible at least a couple of times a week and study it. I'm not a perfect dad. I'm not a perfect boss. I'm not a, I struggle with the same things I struggle with, but I know my God more than I did six years ago. I, I know the grace that he has for me more than I did six years ago. I, know the love that he has for me more than I did six years ago. I have an understanding of God's justice 
more than I did. And all of those things affect who I am and how I interact with people day to day, how I interact with my family. I would say getting to know God by studying the Bible has slowly and surely started to change my life. And rubbing shoulders with other guys that are doing the same thing has slowly but surely started to change my life. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Again, there, there's so much more I could say if we had time and we don't. We've been talking about what would God do in the next seven to eight years? What would God do by the year 2030? And you're like, well, what's 2030 all about? Well, it's a nice round number. It's the end of a decade. It's easy to remember. Uh, we could say 50 by 30, you know, 50 churches by year 2030, 50 new leaders by 2030. How many pastors could we raise up? How many disciples could be baptized and move forward? How many electric vehicles on the parking lot? And as we set goals, we're talking about all the infrastructure that will be needed, buildings and budgets and volunteers and an army of prayer warriors and evangelists and all of that kind of stuff. One of the obvious questions we've been asking is, if God would bless us with hundreds of new disciples, where would we put them? And I'm just going to throw this out there as a reminder. You might remember back in 2020, just before the pandemic, we had actually voted to build a new sanctuary. Do you remember that? And then the pandemic shut the world down. It is still a very live conversation because what we look at as we look over the last 20 years of the church that Sunday mornings at Downs Road has been effectively full for 20 years. It didn't matter how many venues we opened, West Court, Center Court, East Abbey, Central Abbey, Mission, Tri-City, Sunday morning was always full around this place. And the question would be, if God would grant us hundreds of more converts to Jesus Christ, where would we put them? So I'll just throw that out there. Uh, later this fall, we're going to have discussion about this. Would you be praying about it, talking to your leaders about it? But another reason that 2030 is important is because if the Lord tarries, Northview is going to be 50 years old. And by age 50, most churches are well into plateau and decline. And so the question that we've got to ask ourselves is this. Are the best days for ministry behind us or ahead of us? You see, we build on the shoulders of men and women who've gone before us. And 42 years ago, there was a group of about 150 people that gathered to start this new thing called Northview, and the vast majority of them were between the ages of 25 and 45, because that's just what new churches are about. It's primarily young adults and young families that start new churches. And whatever needed to be done was done by an all-hands-on-deck mentality. If you wanted kids' ministries, that's great. You got to start it. You want great worship ministries? That's great. You got to raise some volunteers because we got no staff. You want great hospitality and welcome and community? That's awesome. It's all of our jobs. And the reason that churches slip into plateau and decline are many. But one of the key reasons is that once the church is established and 30, 40 years have passed, that the new generation may or may not have the same vision and energy and commitment and dream that that original generation had. And so one of the questions that I want to put in front of each of you these days is this question, will we dream again? And specifically, can I be so bold as saying those of you between the ages of 25 and 45... Do we believe that God has a mission and a calling for Northview and for each of us individually? You've heard me say this many, many times, that if you call Jesus Christ your Savior, you are in full-time Christian ministry. You've heard me say that, right? All of us are in full-time Christian ministry. 
It doesn't matter who pays your paycheck. If you're a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or a barista, if you're a sword swallower or a beekeeper, you're in full-time Christian ministry. Your primary ministry is out there in the 27s, 24-7s. That's what I wanted to say. And our part as pastors, Ephesians 4, says to equip the saints to do their ministry. To equip you to do what you do out there in the 24-7s. But beyond your primary ministry that is out there, we also need you engaged in service as part of the local church family. The ministry of the church requires literally hundreds and hundreds of volunteers. Everything from media to sound and light and tech to musicians to kids ministry. Do you know on a full weekend ministry across all of our campuses, if kids ministries are running in all the services, it takes 250 volunteers to run those ministries. Do you remember the olden days when we used to pass communion around? Lord willing, we're going to get there one day because those miracle meals are horrible. But did you know to distribute, to put it together, distribute it, and clean it up across all of our services, it takes 110 people for us to do that? Even something simple, would you step up? So many areas. Let me just tell you about one of the behind the scenes when you probably don't even know about. You probably didn't know that there are three elementary schools here in Abbotsford where there's about 100 little kids that show up each day not having had breakfast. And you probably don't know that for a few years ago, an invitation came to Northview to say, could you help with this? And you're like, how do we help? And so if you drop by Downs Road on a Thursday into our kitchen, you will bump into a little army of bakers. And they're making egg bites and muffins, and they're filling the freezer with them. And then Other volunteers drop by the church and they pick those things up and they deliver them to these three schools and they go into their freezers. And then five days a week, another group of volunteers, some parents, some teachers, and always some Northview folks, one or two days of the week, but every day of the five days are covered off so that little children who would not normally get a warm breakfast will have a warm breakfast that morning at school. It's such a great way for Northview to be a good neighbor. And the list could go on and on and on. And all I want to say to you is this. If you're not currently serving in some capacity around here, would you consider and would you pray? Would you ask God, what gifts and interests have you given me? What is on your heart? Where might God call you to serve? And so will we dream again and will we rally to this all-hands-on-deck mentality? Will we still believe that the best days of ministry are ahead of us? And in case by now somebody is asking the question, and why does any of this really matter? All this organizational administrative stuff, why? Because of this reason, friends, it goes to the larger story of our lives. And it goes to the bigger questions of life. And the common denominator in this room and the common denominator across Abbotsford and Mission and North Surrey The common denominator for every single one of us is this. We are broken by sin, and we need a Savior. And our sin is one mess that we cannot buy our way out of. We cannot earn our way out of. And so in the gospel, we hear the story of the universe, and we hear the story of our lives. 
That God created us to know him and to be in fellowship with him. And that that fellowship was broken when we chose to rebel and walk away from him. Our father, Adam, and our mother, Eve, walked away. And every generation since has shook the fist at God. And for that relationship to be restored, the penalty for our sin had to be paid. Our shame had to be wiped away. And Satan's power over our lives had to be broken. And there was one man who met all those needs. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life that you and I could not live. And he offered that innocent life for our guilty life. Jesus Christ stepped into the path of our shame and he wipes it away, all of our disgrace taken away in Jesus. Uh, Romans 8 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And Jesus defeated the enemy Satan, and he rescues us from his power. And we celebrate in 1 John 4, it says, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Our debts paid, our shame is taken away, and the power of Satan is defeated. That is the message of the gospel. And it is simply this, that God saves sinners. Hallelujah. God saves sinners. It's the message that we faithfully proclaim. That through God... Through Jesus, he has done everything that needs to be done for you and me to be right with him. And the only question that remains for every single one of us is this question, am I willing? Because you only need to say yes. I will step into this lifelong journey. I will lay my life down. I will turn from my old way of life. I see it. I hear it. I understand it. I agree with it. I surrender my life to you today. And some of you, even this weekend, may need to say yes to Jesus Christ for the very first time. I need that message. And it is under this goal that we gather and grow and go so that we might help as many people as possible become deeply rooted followers of Jesus. And I hope you're up for the challenge because I think it's going to be a fun ride. So I want to pray for you. Would you stand with me at all of our campuses? Why don't you stand? I want to pray for each one of you. Then the worship teams will come and close our services. Father, I thank you that this is not our church. I thank you that this is Jesus' church. And I thank you, Jesus, for the promise that you made 2,000 years ago that you would build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And Lord, as we look back over the last 2,000 years, you have been keeping that promise. And from a handful of disciples hidden away in an upper room when the Holy Spirit lit the flame, the church went out from that little city and spread all around the world till today over 2 billion people claim your name. Lord, you are building your church. And Father, we want to see your church built across this nation of ours. And Lord, we know that there was a day and a place when Canada was more Christian than what it is right now. And Lord, we can't do this. And so we are asking by your spirit, would you blow across our country from coast to coast to coast? Would you stir up people's interest in spiritual things? Would you cause them to desire something that nothing in this life can satisfy? Would you turn their hearts towards you? But Father, I also pray for the men and women who call Northview Church their family. And Lord, you have placed us in this local church for this time and place and this season. And we've got a lot of work to do right in our own backyard. 
with our friends and our neighbors and the people that we go to school with or we work with, our extended family, all of us know people that we love who are currently far from God. And Lord, I pray that you would burden us with your burden for them, that we would see them through your eyes. And so, Lord, I commission these men and women again, as we have so many times, as they go out into their fields of ministry, as they go out into the 24-7 where they do business, where they go to school, where they play, where they live, that we would go on purpose as missionaries with the message of the gospel. So, Lord, would you take us? Would you use us? Would you give us a new dream for this day and for this generation? We ask it unto your glory in Jesus' name.